This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome in. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. But as you can tell, I'm flying solo today. My partner in crime, Jonathan Hutton, he'll be back with us next week. I am Chad Withrow. I'm here with you for the next three hours. But I've got a lot of friends pitching in today. It's going to be a fun show. We've got Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network joining us in about 20 minutes. Mike Gunzelman, The Gun Show, always entertaining, always full of energy. He will be in studio here, downtown Nashville studio, 6th and Peabody, The Gun Show, in 40 minutes Shannon Terry with On3 Sports coming up in one hour. We're going to get weird at the end of the next hour. Plus Ben Maller, Fox Sports Radio, and Dan Z of OutKick all joining us today on this show. A very special edition. I'm calling it the Withrow and Friends edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. And we're going to have a lot of fun. One group that's not having a lot of fun right now, ESPN. And the reason ESPN is not having a lot of fun, well, let's face it. A lot of them are out of a job right now at ESPN. Some of them are my friends, um, RIP Jason Fitz, a buddy of mine who's now looking for new work. But everyone wants to talk about a solo reason as to why this is happening at ESPN. And like life in sports, in media, in business, a lot of the time there's nuance involved. It's not one thing or another. Sometimes it's multiple things. Two things can be true at once. Three things can be true. Four things Hell, 400 things can be true at once and a contributing factor to the demise of a product, a brand, a business, a person, whatever it may be. ESPN, does going woke cause you to go broke? There are many instances where, yes, that is, in fact, the problem. And I do think that is a problem at ESPN. We had Merrill Hodge in studio yesterday as a co-host And Merrill shared a great story with us that I'd never heard about, that back in the mid-aughts, that ESPN, the brass there, held a big meeting with all the talent and came in and said, on a chart, one of those big pie charts that corporations like to put up, 37% of the sports audience is already an ESPN fan, and we can do nothing to lose them. That was an example of ESPN drinking their own Kool-Aid. And that Kool-Aid can kill you, as we found in history. And it did start to kill ESPN when that happened. When you take your audience for granted, when you buy into your own hype, and you believe there's nothing you can do to lose that audience, that is step one to your eventual demise. Now, going woke, far left-wing politics, has that hurt ESPN's brand? Absolutely, it's hurt ESPN's brand. A lot of that 37% that Merrill referenced that was referenced in that ESPN company-wide meeting, they left because of political issues at ESPN. And now Jimmy Pitaro, president of ESPN, is arguing, hey, we're no political organization. We've never set out to be that. We're telling our talent to stick to sports. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to read through right now the job cuts at ESPN and this latest mass layoff at that company. Steve Young, keep in mind, not a political organization sticking to sports. 
Steve Young, Jeff Van Gundy, Max Kellerman, Jalen Rose, Keyshawn Johnson, Matt Hasselbeck, Susie Colber, LaFonzo Ellis, Todd McShay, Ashley Brewer, David Pollock, Nick Friedel, Jordan Cornette, Jason Fitz, Gene Wojciechowski, June Lee. Now, the disturbing part about this list is almost everyone I just named is very good at their job. And they're not political. They didn't have a lot of issues talking politics. Jalen Rose, sure. Max Kellerman, absolutely. And we can argue how good those guys are. But for the most part, everyone on that list pretty universally praised as being good at their job. Susie Colbert, terrific professional. I grew up with Susie Colbert covering the NFL, watching her. She's great. Steve Young, great. Jeff Van Gundy, terrific at what he does, talking about and covering the NBA. So the disturbing part about these ESPN layoffs, sure, you go woke, you go broke at times. That's a contributing factor. It's a part of it. I'm not going to deny that, and most wouldn't. But the big thing I see here, and this is a problem across sports media, and I think the most disturbing part of all of this, too many companies are sacrificing good for what's efficient or what clicks or what sells in the moment. That talent that I just named, for the most part, they're very good at their jobs. They did not lose their jobs because they're bad at them. Were they making too much money in a lot of a a bloated pay scale at ESPN? Yeah, probably that's the case with some of them. Are they bad at their jobs? No. But what I see with these layoffs is an all-too-disturbing trend about not focusing on what's good. What ESPN does well, and what I would argue the only thing they do well right now are the games. They have them. They do a good job producing them. And when they're broadcasting games, they are in their A game. That's what they do well. We go to ESPN to watch the sports, to watch the games. I don't particularly like the debate shows they have right now. I don't think their analysis is all that good. Certainly Merrill Hodge agrees with me, who we had in studio yesterday. He said it's terrible, and it's terrible leadership. I would mostly agree with that. But when you see some of the names on that list, those that are good at the analysis, those that are good at explaining the sports – those that are good at their jobs and can give you a coherent, thoughtful answer to things when they are the ones being laid off. That's a disturbing part of all of this. I see this all too often across sports media. Not enough focus on what's good or what's thoughtful and too much focus on other things. Taking your eye off the ball. Let's let's put a sports metaphor in there. This is a sports show after all. Taking your eye off the ball and or drinking your own Kool-Aid. Two recipes to disaster. And make no mistake about it, ESPN, there's a disaster waiting to happen. It's happening right now. They're having to lay off a lot of big-time talent. Now, is ESPN on the verge of death? No, because they still have the sports. And what's ESPN still good at? The games. What are we watching on television at night? Games. So as long as ESPN does that and does that well, they're probably going to be okay in the long run. But how long can you do that well when you're laying off top-level talent? Like they just did, like they will again. If Disney continues to make bad decision after bad decision, how much longer will that cost them and cost ESPN, cost the sports arm of that company? I think it's going to continue to cost them a lot.
So keep that in mind. Keep your eye on the ball. Don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Two things ESPN lost sight of, and because of that, a lot of really good people and good professionals lost their jobs. Davey Hudson is in studio with us. Davey, we got a lot to get to even in this first segment, but what are your thoughts on on the, the most recent layoffs at ESPN and what that could mean really for sports business as a whole? Yeah, the big thing that I take from this is ESPN is getting, is getting away from having their talent seem relatable. Whenever I'm watching a media member, I want them to come across as someone that is A, genuine, and B, I can see myself having a conversation and knowing I can be on their level. And I feel they are definitely getting away from that. Now, one of the bigger issues, and we'll kind of talked about it, Chad, is what we'll see is now they do well with the games now, but are those contracts sustainable for the long term? And I mean, could we see something happen just with the economy in general that impacts how those look, we'll say 10 years from now. Uh, I mean, just looking at the SEC network deal when they decided, you know what, we're going to go out and we're going to get these media markets that will help. But we've kind of seen it go away from that being the setup. So that's just something that I think could be a problem for them down the line. But ESPN has just sucked the quality out of the people they hire for what you want to see whenever it relates to This is a person that, A, knows their stuff and can get to where it goes with the diehard fans and the casual fans at the same time. Having somebody that's able to get that point across to where you don't feel like you're talking down to your audience, but you're also getting that information to them in a way that they're able to take something away and not feel belittled. I think it's a great point, Davey. And the name that pops to mind when you're talking about relatability, Dan Patrick. I thought Dan Patrick, who left the company many years ago, and started his own national radio show. But Dan Patrick was the epitome of relatability as a kid. When I'm growing up watching it, I didn't have anything in common at the time with you know Dan Patrick, uh, married father, when I'm in elementary and junior high and high school watching SportsCenter. But there was something so relatable about what seemed to be his pure love of sport mixed with mine, even as an adolescent. I think Dan Patrick still is terrific and at the top of his game. But Dan Patrick will be the first to tell you, ESPN didn't want stars. What they hated was the fact that he, alongside Keith Olbermann and Kenny Mayne and others, Stuart Scott, they became stars in their own right. And major corporations and big companies, they like to control people, and they like to control stars. So I don't think they liked the fact that Dan Patrick became a star on his own. And I think in doing that, it squashes some of that relatability that you're talking about. I think that's definitely an issue. I'm interested to see where it all goes If ESPN is going to make new hires eventually, uh, are they going to go a lot younger and cheaper? Are the games going to be affected? Because that's what we're ultimately watching at ESPN. It's a fascinating study in the sports media business and what was in the past and what we liked the most based on ratings, viewership, what we were all watching versus what we're going to be watching in the future. Uh, I'm going to have a front row seat for it. Um, I'm thankful for a place like OutKick where I feel like we can share our own honest opinions and thoughts in a great forum, Uh, that's something that I hope never dies. And we've seen some of that die now at ESPN, and I don't think it's a good thing for sports media in the long run, but we'll see how they handle it. Another thing that ESPN's going to have to figure out how to handle is to get people to watch NBA regular season basketball. One way they're going to try to do that is by creating this in-season tournament. It was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski that the final four in the championship of this in-season tournament will take place on December 7th and December 9th in Las Vegas. This is another 
way for the NBA to get their foothold in the city of Las Vegas where eventually there will be a team there. Now, what's the format? Every team in the NBA will participate. Six groups. There will be four games within your group play. There's going to be six group winners and two wild cards, highest winning percentage that don't win their group. Those eight teams will play in a knockout stage, knockout style tournament to eventually get to a champion on December 9th. My question, Davey, on all of this is, does it matter? Will this actually bring people in to watch regular season NBA basketball? My answer to that is I don't know because we haven't seen it yet, but I have a hard time believing that, especially when you look at the calendar, that people are suddenly going to start tuning into regular season NBA basketball because of this new in-season tournament. Yeah, and there's still a lot that we'll find out uh, later, well, I guess this weekend, as far as what the potential ramifications are if you do win this tournament. But right now, they are planning on having uh, the final two games, December 7th and December 9th. It's a terrible time, in my opinion, when you look at what you're competing against at that point. I know college football has just kind of wrapped up their regular season, their conference championships. But we got Thursday night football on December the 7th. I'm not tuning into a regular season basketball game when we know the NBA has a problem with their regular season. We've talked about it ad nauseum when you look at how the eighth seed Miami Heat are able to make the conference finals. Well, that's a cool story. They didn't care in the regular season. They just made sure they got healthy at the right time and they were able to make that run when it mattered most. And so this is a big challenge for the NBA to get people to tune into their product at this time of year. If they were smart, they would just push their calendar back entirely. We're about to witness an entire month where nothing is happening outside of some regular season Major League Baseball. I feel like they'd have a much better chance of competing against that than the NFL, which we know is king. Absolutely. Uh, a disturbing story to get to also, um, and a, kind of a follow-up to a disturbing story. Jalen Kitna, son of John Kitna, former Florida football player. If you remember, he got arrested on felony charges of child pornography. Uh, news came down recently that those charges have been reduced, uh, and he is now guilty of two misdemeanors. Um, he shared two images of young girls involved in sexual abuse, Police later confiscated his phone, found two more images of young girls on the phone. Now, there's no uh, distinction from the authorities on the age uh, of these girls. I, I, I do think that's part of this, uh, and we're not going to know that publicly, not that we need to know it. But I say that because I think the question now moving forward is, is he going to have an opportunity to play quarterback for anywhere in college football based on the seriousness of these charges my answer to that, unfortunately, is yes. Maybe not at the Power 5 level, but if he's good enough, someone's going to give him a chance now that it's not a felony. Davey, do you think he gets another chance to play football? I'm not there yet. The, the big thing for this one with him that's just, I mean, you're facing five felony charges that are life-altering, and he's able to get that reduced. As you mentioned, the, the, the big thing here is also he's not going to have to register as a sex offender um, and, and I hope justice was served in this case. Again, there's a lot we still don't know. And so it's not one of those things you want to speculate too much. I, I think he's going to have to sit out for a while, but there could be a Juco team that's willing to give him another chance here in a year or so. But I don't think anybody's going to be touching him for this upcoming season. One story out of golf also to get to. Cam Smith, last year's uh, British Open champion. If you remember, he was faced with questions afterward about leaving for the Live Tour. 44 days later, he left for the Live Tour, and he is now talking about how the keyboard warriors out there 
made the live decision a little bit more difficult. But Davey, like almost everyone else that, not every, not almost, everyone else who made the decision to leave for live, that decision now looks great based on the fact that PGA and Liv have merged, and there's really no penalty, and all they got was all the money for going to Liv. Yeah, I'm not a big golf fan, Chad. I mean, I don't even add the L when I, I just said it right there. Like, that's that's how little it, it matters to me. You go golf. Yeah. yeah. It's just, but... Like Jared Goff. That's your favorite sport. The real, like, way you could write this headline is just breaking. Reporter asked Guy the question that everyone wants to know. I don't know why he's getting upset as far as this goes. At the time, he was the number two golfer in the world, and... If I'm his agent and I'm having this conversation about, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I should do this. Uh, his agent comes to me and is like, hey, Cam, uh, Liv's willing to pay you $100 million. $100 million, you said? Yeah, everybody else can go bleep themselves. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's a pretty easy decision. When you look back in hindsight, everyone who left for Liv, they made the right decision. They took the bag and they got rewarded about a year later when PJ decided to merge with Liv. All they were doing was asking the questions everyone wanted to know. That's what I'm going to do with Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network. I'm going to ask the questions that football fans want to know from Cynthia. That's coming up next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Back on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on this Thursday afternoon, 4th of July week. Hope everyone out there, if you're back to work, hope work's going well for you. If you're vacationing, if this is a holiday for you, Godspeed. Enjoy your holiday. I'm Chad Withrow. I'm working. Jonathan Hutton, not working. He'll be back with us on Monday. Everyone in our studio right now, they're working hard this 4th of July week. I definitely appreciate all of them. We're going to have a lot of fun today. A great guest list for you. Hope to be joined by Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network coming up here very soon. Mike Gunzelman, it's going to be a gun show coming up in 20 minutes. Shannon Terry of On3 Sports at 3 o'clock Central. We're going to get weird after that. Ben Maller of Fox Sports Radio, Dan Z of OutKick, all coming up later on the show. And it is quite the show. I open up talking about ESPN, future of sports media, what those layoffs tell me what everyone should be paying attention to when it comes to ESPN. And certainly they've made some bad decisions about leaning too much into politics, and it's turned a lot of their sports base off. There's no denying that. And another big part of it is when you look through that list that we've seen, David Pollack and Steve Young and Susie Kolber, go on down the list, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, all very, very good at what they do. It's never good when you're an organization and you lose good people, especially when you lose good talent like that that's been around for a long time. So we'll see where they go next. And if this signals a move for ESPN to something that's far cheaper and worse or what direction they move in next. Mike Vick has a direction for Tua Tungavailoa and what should be next in his career. And that direction is for him to put on pounds. Um, I'm going to be honest. I thought Tua looked a little fat. A year ago, I thought he looked a little bit heavy. I don't think that putting on more weight is what is best for Tua Tungavailoa. He's a short guy to begin with. He's listed at 216 pounds. He looked about 230, uh, the last picture we saw of him. So I'm not sure that's the route to go, but Mike Vick says he needs to put on some big boy weight and get a little bit bulked up in order to avoid those concussions. I don't know that I agree. I think a lot of it is just misfortune. When it comes to Tua, but something definitely needs to be done because Davey, as we know, 
This is a make-or-break year for Tua in Miami. If he does not get the job done, and not just getting the job, he's got to stay healthy to get the job done. If that doesn't happen, he's likely headed elsewhere. Yeah, and if you look at Miami, I mean, this is the situation where you're possibly having to do a complete reset. We know Tyreek Hill plans on retiring here in a couple of years. Do you take the Peyton Manning, 39-year-old Peyton Manning approach where if somebody gets it within five feet, you just tuck the ball in and get the fetal position? I love Peyton, but he was able to prolong his career while he was battling some injuries there late. I know, too, you look at his stats, not much of a runner. I think 128 yards on the ground is the most he has had in a season while he's been playing in the NFL. So, But again, never been able to get through a full year, and it's make or break right now. So I, I got to share a story from this 4th of July holiday that actually relates to this next story we're going to get into uh, about a scary scene that happened last night at the Yankees-Orioles game. So my family plays an annual game of kickball. As the sun is setting, before the fireworks are lit, we have a big family game of kickball. This game involves both adults and small children. And in this game, you know, tempers can get a little bit heated. It's hot outside. It's com- the Withrow bunch is a competitive bunch we're going to get a little bit overly excited at times and things can happen well my older brother Nick who is eternally injured this is a man that whatever he does physically he's going to find a way to injure himself at all times he swore coming into this family kickball game this was going to be the year that he does not play and if he plays he will be all-time roller because he always gets injured he's always bruising a knee uh, a hamstring is pulled in some way, even if the sport should not be heavy contact, my brother Nick finds a way to get injured. In this game, probably second or third inning, I blast a two-run homer straight over my cousin Trent's head in center field. It was a, quite the kick. Colin would have been very proud as the soccer player uh, of this crew. Next time up, I try to do the exact same thing. I want to toe bash this kickball into center field right over my brother Nick's head, who's rolling, over my cousin Trent's head in center field, and I want to run as fast and as far as I can and score another home run. But instead, what happens is I kick this ball about 95 miles per hour directly off my brother Nick's face. And it was an immediate eruption of laughter from everyone there. We could not help it. Could not help it. I thought it hit him in the chest. This thing was kicked so hard. And I'm not trying to brag on myself here. It was quite the kick, I will, I will say. I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I kicked this thing so hard. The sound of my foot hitting that kickball and the sound of it hitting my brother's face were almost simultaneous. That's how quick it happened. He could not react. Are we talking meet the parents, uh, Gaylord just going with the spike on the volleyball? It was, it was close to that. The only difference, Davey, is it wasn't an immediate bloody nose. It was an immediate swollen eye. I mean, he looked over and his eye was completely red and bloodshot, swollen, red, purple. It was not a great look. I apologized afterward. He wasn't mad, knew that I didn't mean to do it. Um, I say all of this to segue into a story about the Yankees-Orioles game that we will get into coming up later in the show. But right now, good friend of the show, Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network, is on with us. Cynthia, appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for hopping on. Hello. Happy 4th of July. The best holiday. It is uh, one of the best for sure. Food is good. Uh, Weather's typically good unless you're here in in Nashville where it's way too hot and humid. But uh, a lot of other places, it's perfect outside. Things feel perfect right now with the Jets also now that they have Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm curious from an analytical standpoint, Cynthia, when you look at the replacement, Aaron Rodgers in for last year's 
Jets quarterback situation, Zach Wilson and whoever else was playing, Mike White, what are the wins above replacement with Aaron Rodgers? What kind of difference does that make for their offense? Well, I have to say I'm kind of like a Mike White. Like I loved Mike White. Like it was very fun to watch him do really well. And it seemed like the whole locker room loved him. But Aaron Rodgers is probably about a five and a half or six point win wins rather upgrade. So it's a pretty big and significant difference, obviously, despite our kind of love of Mike White. You are a Mike White truther is what I'm hearing. <laughs> the, the rare Mike White truther. Um, I, I'm also curious, you know, when you you're going through numbers and looking at rosters and, you know, valuations of different players and also looking at coaches, is there a way to analyze coaches that do more with less based on roster value, based on quarterback? The example that I always bring up is Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. I feel like the 49ers are the one offense because of Kyle Shanahan that's seemingly quarterback proof. They don't need a stud quarterback in order to play for the NFC Championship almost every year. So when you look at that, is there a hard and fast way to look at a coach and that coach's performance based on their roster and who gets more from less? I mean, if I'm being honest, I think like Kyle Shanahan also has like one of the best defenses in the entire league. So I don't know if I necessarily agree that it's like more for less, but a team that relies on the run more often is going to not be as punished if they don't have as good of a quarterback. I think Arthur Smith is also a good example of this in in Atlanta. You know, obviously Kyle Shanahan's like an extreme example of it. And I guess he did come from Atlanta before that. So that's interesting, but ultimately, you know, it's, 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 where's the value, right? Like, you know, if you have that great of a defense and you have those skill players and that ability to run the football, I'm not going to say you don't need a quarterback, but you certainly don't need Patrick Mahomes. Let's talk a little Patriots. Bill O'Brien in. That's obviously an upgrade over whatever the offensive coordinator situation was a year ago with New England. Um, I still have a hard time, Cynthia, trying to figure out exactly what Mac Jones is right now at this point in his career. We're going to know a lot more now with Bill O'Brien as his coordinator, but when you break down the numbers and, and, and look at Mac Jones, what have you seen so far? You know, the thing that I liked about Mac Jones coming out of Alabama was that he really executed game plans really well. So we know Bill O'Brien is a good game plan guy, and he really, truly, like, he gets it when it comes to that. We've seen him do a lot with a lot of different types of quarterbacks. But, you know, Mac Jones, like every other quarterback coming out of college, if you can get play action to work, because that's what they do a ton of in college, even in Alabama, which is a bit more pro-ready than others, but realistically, if you can get play action to work a little bit better, then they have a chance to like understand how to make those NFL speed deep outside the numbers types of passes, which those, you know, you ideally don't want to have to roll someone in out, out and ask them to throw deep right away. And Mac was asked to do that quite a bit without a good receiving course. So he needs an upgrade of people around him, which it seems like they went out and, and at least tried to address. And they need to get play action going, which is something that I think Bill O'Brien can do really well. And we'll see if they don't have a new upgraded situation to their, you know, like maybe perhaps another receiver before we start the, the season. That, that is the perfect segue. You've been in this business a long time, Cynthia, I can tell, <laughs> uh, because I wanted to ask about DeAndre Hopkins and, and just what he is right now. You're talking about Kyle Shanahan getting more out of less offensively, at least. Uh, I feel like Cliff Kingsbury may be on the opposite side of that. 
in some regards in his tenure with the Cardinals of getting less from more. But how much of that was Kingsbury? How much of that was DeAndre Hopkins' injury issues and, and slipping a little bit as he gets a little bit older in his career? I guess what I'm asking is, what is DeAndre Hopkins right now, and how much could he help Mac Jones in that Patriots offense? Well, I just saw a tweet where DeAndre Hopkins said that he'll retire when he's not a 1,000-yard receiver, right? So maybe it was a thread. Who knows these days? But ultimately, you know, he said that he wants to play till forever, whatever, till he's 37, which for him is ancient. But ultimately, when I'm looking at DeAndre Hopkins, I'm looking at a guy who, if you want to defend the perimeter, like you're talking about someone who those that is a huge problem for any corner, for any safety, the space between the hashes and the out of bounds lines. That is where he does so much damage. His ability to become a possession receiver in the most like tight, awful, terrible passes. He's dealt with some horrible quarterback situations and he really comes out looking really, really well. So when I'm looking at DeAndre Hopkins, I'm, I'm saying, okay, this is a guy who, has a ton left in the tank. It's really going to be up to him where he kind of wants to play because, I mean, look, if I'm him, I'm going to an NFC team because the AFC is a nightmare. But, you know, it's it's his decision, and it's, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what, what materializes there. Like maybe the Patriots work out because the reunion with Bill O'Brien, but I don't know if I'd want to go to the AFC East. I think I'd, I'd try to, like, be like, hey, is – Anyone in the um, NFC South looking for some help? Like, yeah. how can I help? Or NFC North, perhaps? Can I join the Lions? <laughs> well, what about the you know the AFC South, where he's visited with the Titans? I mean, that's one. You're still in the, the brutal AFC, absolutely. Yeah. But you're also there in a division that you know they bottom out a year ago and lose all those games consecutively, and they almost beat Jacksonville on the road with Josh Dobbs at quarterback, or they're the AFC South champion. So. They may be a DeAndre Hopkins away from winning that division. Again, I don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs, but how would you compare those two situations and specifically him catching passes from Ryan Tannehill versus Mac Jones if those are the two top options? I mean, look, the AFC is a nightmare. Between the AFC South and the AFC East, I would take the South every day of the week. Plus, I mean, New York versus uh, Tennessee with taxes, that's a – pretty significant difference. And yes. when I'm thinking about the opportunity to go up against a team that I did, I don't believe their exit there. I'm, I think the people he was mad at are no longer there, but still like he's going to get motivated to play against the Texans twice a season. And just, you know, that'll be interesting too. So I think that would be a really fun opportunity. And obviously Ryan Tannehill knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to, you know, deep balls. When you give him the opportunity to be great, Ryan Tannehill showed us that like he's pretty ageless as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. But like I said, if I'm DeAndre Hopkins and maybe I'm going to like call up, uh, I'm like, Hey, is there just any NFC team? Because no matter what the AFC playoffs, even if you're on, you know, if you're like, Patrick Mahomes chiefs that just finished winning the Super Bowl, None of that's, you know, that anything can happen in those AFC playoffs. You know, it feels like Dalvin Cook is really a victim of his position right now and the devaluation of running back because yep. I feel like he's an elite player in the league at, at his position, but that market for him, Cynthia, does not seem to be there, at least to the way he and his agent want it to be there. What do you think about Dalvin Cook? Is it Miami that makes the most sense for him? What do you think eventually happens? You know, this is one where I don't know if I think my, I mean, like I think, from the strategic standpoint of like where his skill set fits, a lot of teams could use his services. But when it comes to someone who has enough money to maybe pay a bit more than 
what I'm not going to say the word worth because who knows what that even means anymore. But you know, it's there's no need to overpay in this market. So we could be waiting for a decent amount of time before he, Ezekiel Elliott, some of these other guys like really find a home. And it could actually come down to that unfortunate circumstance that happens every training camp where unfortunately someone gets hurt or something happens. Or we, I don't necessarily think it's going to be something where, you know, next week before ahead of training camps start that they find homes. A late addition, like a lot of these guys, a lot of veterans. They, they know how to play the game for sure. Cynthia Freeland always does a great job. NFL Network does a great job when she joins us as well. Cynthia, thanks so much. Really appreciate the time today. Absolutely. Have a great week. Plenty to talk about uh, with those big free agents that are left and, and what's to follow with them. We'll certainly be following that. It, it's a tough act to follow with Cynthia, but you know who's got the energy to try to make it happen? The Gun Show. Mike Gunzelman of OutKick. He's here. He's ready to go. He's been outside. He's been chugging coffee. He's all set. Gun Show next. This is Hot Mike with Hot and Withrow. We are back with the Withrow and Friends edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Hutton will be back on Monday. I'm Chad Withrow. Gun Show, right here, in the flesh, in studio, ready to go. Mike Gunzelman of OutKick joining us. Always great to see you, man. Hey, Appreciate you swinging on, by. Let's yeah. go. Everything go all right? Fourth it's, of July, uh, all that. You know, we were here. We're Fourth rocking. of July was good. I, I uh, injured my brother in a game of kickball. Love that. Kicked it right off his face. Perfect. Other than that, you know, things are good. There you go. Um, Mark Zuckerberg thinks things are good right now Oof. with threads, <laughs> which he is labeling a Twitter killer. I'll be honest, Guns, when I'm on social media, and like I scroll so fast when I see someone complaining about the social media that I'm on. Right. You know, people that are just tweeting about the complaints. Oh, yeah, left and right. But I do rely on you for all social media news. Thank you, man. So uh, I'm glad I get a chance to ask you about this in studio. So what's up with this? Eye to the sky, feet to the ground. That's what we do here with the God Show. And Outkick, let's go. Um, so here's the deal, all right? Uh, Zuckerberg came out. You know, it's this threads thing. There's so many people. There's so many people that are mad at uh, at Elon right now. You know what I mean? Like, oh, how could he? He's ruined the service or he's letting these people on and these people on that they overwhelmingly, they could not wait to run over to Zuckerberg's threads last night. And you know what they didn't do, Chad? They didn't read the fine print. Oh. They did not read the fine That'll print. That'll get you every time. And I was almost one of those people because Zuckerberg's no idiot, all right? You don't become a billionaire, especially in a social media platform, if you're not cunning and deceiving and also, you know, at least semi-intelligent. And what he did was he made it so easy so anybody out there with an Instagram, all you have to do is literally click one button and all of a sudden, boom, you're automatically locked into threads. However, the permissions, the privacy, the data is all separate. So your boy Guns here went through it and read it, and it is disturbing. And a couple of examples, all right? Obviously, anytime you use a platform, all right, there's always going to be like certain app permissions, and they're going to know your location and have access to your photos. This goes up and beyond. You're talking like sensitive data, the other data that they literally just had there so they can't get sued in the future. They purposely put that in there into other things like your health and and, 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 and much more device permissions, uh, not only browser history, but your search history oh, that no. then can't be deleted. And on top of all this, what many people don't know, and I think I don't want to get too into the weeds here or anything like that. So I'm making it as easy as possible for all no, of you. Get into the there. weeds, please. Right? Let's get weedy here. The Come bottom on. is they're gonna have a ton of your 
data and privacy more than anybody else, it seems so far. But in addition to that, are you aware that the whole point of Threads is they're connecting you to this multitude of servers, third-party servers, right? Different channels out there, okay? This feels are, very dystopian future it is, type stuff. I'm seeing warehouses full of servers. In the fine print, they say that they don't know who runs them or what data is collected on these things. And even if you delete, say, your thread, your quote-unquote tweet thing that would be like likened to it, Threads does not have the capability for these other channels to force these other channels to also get rid of it. So they have it, and you have no control over it, my friend. And that wasn't enough, all right? I mean, telling you, this is, it's just, this is not what people signed up for. They thought it was going to be, oh, it's going to be great. No, it's not. It is so deceiving. If that wasn't enough, you want to get rid of it off your phone? It is impossible to delete it no, off your no. phone. You cannot unsubscribe to threads. How do you get something that's impossible to delete off your phone? You can only That's impressive yeah. in its own right that it's they Mark can make Zuckerberg. that happen. It's Zuck. Uh, by the way, when I hear they don't know who controls the servers, I think China. It's, it's yeah, got to be or China. Or CIA or like an intel agency you want, you know, somebody does. Interpol. Yeah, someone's yeah. got it. I mean, this is for all for all the uh for all the, oh my God, the Russians and the Chinese. Well, now you are willfully handing over information and you're just, they're smiling all the way to the bank. So the bottom line is, listen, you want to do it, go ahead and do it. But I'm going to sit back and let all the smart tech people figure out exactly what's going on. Because listen, you want to talk about, if you hate Elon so much, fine, I don't care. But if you think Mark Zuckerberg is suddenly your savior, yeah, you are smoking something. Yeah, neither. Let's let's you know, neither's your savior for no. sure. What was going on with Twitter over the weekend? I saw you post about this. I was a mess. I wasn't on Twitter a ton, but every time I got on there, this is another thing that'll just make me scroll fast. But if I did I, read I your made. tweet. Yeah, yeah, that's what. But I did. people are like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I can't see things, yeah. and they're taking away the this and that. It was eliminating the ability to see tweets. Yeah, you couldn't do anything over that. And this is what really screwed Elon here. Because it came at the worst time possible for him to do this. Yeah, he had some sort of like uh, a server issue that he rate limited everybody's tweets. You couldn't retweet. You couldn't tweet things out. It was a colossal collapse for the system, which is why Mark Zuckerberg moved the release up earlier this week. Because he saw the writing on the wall. So the bottom line is there's a re don't trust big tech people. For the love of God, please, they are not your friends. Look at their congressional hearings. I've watched Zuck up on the stand. I've seen them all. They are lying through their teeth. And the biggest thing now is data is so, that's all we have. I'm likening it to what we're doing right now and handing it over right now with this new threads. I'm likening it to China's social score. Yeah. You know how they're collecting all this stuff and all of a sudden you're like a digital footprint or, or digital identity that's what you're willfully handing over you really hate elon that must that must go for it go go for it you hate elon that much go for it uh i'm gonna sit back and enjoy my life and privacy as long as i possibly can guys you know, real quick i was able to get u2's album album off my phone i think i can get threads off as well uh, you got to do the same thing it's yeah. the same cheat code that you have to put in to get that album off as well as threads <laughs> they apparently. say hold on, they say that you can get it off but you have to delete your whole entire instagram mm, <laughs> permanently that's as smart well. that is smart by so, the yeah mm. so it's there it's there i bet you i tell you i'm, I'm telling you right now on top of all this they're already censoring accounts 
I did an article oh, right now, sure. Outkick.com. They're already censoring accounts, being like, are you sure you want to follow this person? It's been less than 24 hours. It's already happening. And you can imagine what side of the aisle those people that are being censored are on. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not going great. I truly don't think, no matter how many people bitch and moan about stuff, that this is really going to work. No, like you're still going to go back to Twitter because that's where the people are. So here's a, a nice segue for you. Perfect. Love this. Will toys as movies huh. and IP work in the long run? So it worked for Hasbro with Transformers. Yeah. And that those movies continue to make crushed a ton it. of Michael money. Michael Bay crushed it. Marvel was once a struggling comic book company that became a multi-billion dollar film enterprise. Right. The latest to try this is Mattel. So the Barbie movie's coming out this summer. It is tracking to where it's going to be the summer blockbuster. It's going to be massive, quite possibly the Top Gun Maverick of 2023 based on screeners, based on pre-purchase tickets, everything else. Probably going to be the biggest movie of the You'll summer. You'll see it, not once, but twice. I'll probably you know, go yeah. multiple times yeah, to, the, course, yeah. to the multiplex to go <laughs> see it. So now, Guns, we've got a writer strike. We've got AI taking over. The AI is going to be writing movies and TV shows for us. And Mattel has just opened their doors after Barbie and said, Hollywood, come on in. Let's franchise all these things out. Yeah. In the works right now, there are 45 different projects, including a Masters of the Universe He-Man movie series. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks is attached to play some toy from the 1960s that is the inspiration for Buzz Lightyear. Yes, the Tom Hanks who played Woody in Toy Story <laughs> is he? going to play a toy, a real-life version that inspired Buzz Lightyear. Okay. Well. Uh, there's a Barney movie with Daniel Kaluuya starring. Right. Mattel is trying to take over the world of franchising their products on the backs of Barbie. This movie, they believe, will be a success. Yeah. I feel like nothing right now in terms of entertainment is getting better. Right. I think it's all getting worse right. and more of the same. I, I, I mean, how many remakes, remastered? Like, you know, we see this from time to time again. Here's what I don't really, uh, I don't really like about this. Okay, Barbie, okay, is going to be an absolute smash hit. I yeah. mean, this thing, it's so over-the-top ridiculous. Margot Robbie, that, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, so the young people are going to like it. Those that, like, you know, every age group will like this. The parents will like it because they'll laugh and think it's dumb and stupid. Like, it's, there's so much happening on this. So it's going to be an absolute smash. But there's everybody else is going to be like, oh, well, they work there. It's going to work here. It's not going to work. Nostalgia sells. We are suckers for nostalgia. We all like want to go back to those glory days. Things were so much simpler when we were younger, but you're never going to bring back those feelings. And if anything, you're just going to ruin it. Case in point, you know, they did Battleship. That was a mess. That was awful. G.I. Joe. I love G.I. Joe's. The, you know, the, the, those movies are a disgrace. Yeah, wasn't the girl from Friday Night Lights? The, the hot blonde from Friday Night Lights, I think, was in G.I. Joe. That's the last thing she did. I think she did that movie, and she wasn't allowed to do anything else again. Th that, That's that how bad it. G.I. Joe was. Ruined G.I. I, Joe. I don't think... Listen, nostalgia is a very dangerous thing to play with, my friends. Well, there's, so, uh, there's a big story with The New Yorker that has all the details and all this with Mattel and what they're trying to do. And I forget the exact phrase they put out there. It's like pre-existing knowledge or knowing about something before is they have determined is the biggest key to success with any TV show or movie now that if you've heard of it, you're likely to enjoy it. That They tried to do a Monopoly movie that fell apart with Ridley Scott at one point, yeah. uh, with Russell Crowe playing the Monopoly man. They tried to develop an Adam Sandler Candyland movie 
that couldn't get off the ground because they couldn't come up with the right idea. Yeah. I mean, I believe you can do some pretty clever things. But not 45 with these different ideas. ones. 45, 45 different ones. And also, Guns, aren't they overvaluing our emotional attachment to some of these toys from years ago? Yeah. Like, I had a He-Man as a kid, but... I don't care about where the Masters of the Universe went after I turned nine years old they, and stopped playing with He-Man. I, I don't know that I'm going to care now. And if you don't care and you actually experience them, then there's no way the younger generations that have no idea what that even is are going to buy into it. Uh, I think that, I think it's I think it's a desperate ploy. I think that they feel like it's an instant cash grab, but eventually it's going to turn a, it's going to turn away. Just like you know the CGI. When Disney started doing all these, uh, you know, these, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the real anti-aging, de-aging technology, yeah, all this stuff with CGI and stuff. You had, uh, well, Beauty and the Beast, and then Aladdin, which was atrocious, uh, Lion King, and then Pinocchio, and then all this blah blah blah. Nobody cares. You've ruined it. It's done. Same thing with Transformers. Badass in the beginning. Badass. Let's go. Well, how many are there? Nine? Are there like nine Transformers now? You're killing something good. We yeah. don't need 45. I understand Ryan's right there, but if we want to talk about toys, Barbie's going to be a smash hit. Absolutely. They're all going to be like, oh, blah, blah. There's going to be so much money coming in. You want to know, uh, know a good toy thing? It's called Toy Story, my friend. Yeah, go watch back and watch Toy, Toy Story. Story. Yeah, let's watch keep it. let's There's keep churning out some more Toy Stories. There's That's what we should do. Four of those already. Here would here would be my thing about it in terms of prior attachment, emotional attachment, all that. I didn't know what the hell Iron Man was. I did not read comic books growing up. Okay. I didn't know what it was until the movie came out. And I watched the movie and I liked it. You know why? It was a good movie. Yes. So just make good movies, and then you might get someone interested yeah. in the Tony Stark character like I became. Yes. Because the movie was good. Can I didn't know anything about Ant-Man. But yeah. you know what I love? I love Paul Rudd as Ant-Man yeah. because the movie was funny. Yeah. It was lighthearted, and it had some adventure to it. Just make good. something good. Yeah. Like it's I'm telling. Who just to think that you know, we could do anything with this toy, and it's going to be successful really bothers me. Let's make some good stuff again. That's like like guns appearing on this show. That's hot, Mike, baby. Like you guns yeah. appearing on this show. So what we've learned, uh, threads, probably not going to be the Twitter killer, but will kill all your privacy and kill your ability to remove the app from your phone. Screwed. The guns is here to do the research for you that you don't have to do now. You know, uh, I read this. things. I read things all night last night. And Small Mattel print, toys are taking over Hollywood. Barbie. It's going to be great. That's huh. that's what we've learned. Will you go see Barbie in theaters? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Depends how hot she is that asked me to go. This with is her. the sad state of our uh, <laughs> Depends our country. How hot the girl is that makes me want to go with that's her to true. see it. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Like, yeah. um, and why will I think that you'll be be over there on the side I mean, by look, yourself? I will go see big Oppenheimer. Marco fan. You're a big Marco Oppenheimer fan. opens the same weekend. Here's the sad state of our country: is that Oppenheimer's on pace right now to get crushed. Oh. The story, the real-life story of the guy who invented the atom bomb that Nobody, won yeah. World War II nope. for America facts? by Christopher Nolan. Who wants facts? This film auteur is going to get crushed yep. by Barbie. Barbie. That's it. That's America in a nutshell. Guns, you're the man. Ryan Gosling. Thanks for swinging by. He wins, he always does. My man, let's go. How old is Ryan Gosling now, too? The man doesn't seem to be aging. You know, he, uh, he's making... A lot of makeup. A lot of makeup uh, taking place. Chiseled abs. By the way, after we watch Mission is Possible, this is a future gun segment. Apparently, they de-aged Tom Cruise throughout the entire movie without telling anyone. They made him look uh, 10 years younger. I am not joking. There's nothing real this anymore. This is technology that they can do now. It's uh, pretty impressive. Maybe we'll do that on my face for tomorrow's show. Who knows? <laughs> Guns doesn't need it. I need it. Shannon Terry does not need it. On 3 Sports founder Shannon Terry will join us next to talk the future of college sports. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.